0: Let's look at this verse together. It's found in Matthew 5, verse 13. It says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, do you all like peanuts? Salted peanuts? Well, if you like salted peanuts, raise your hand. Do oh, you all like salted peanuts? Excellent. Okay, just sorry the front row. Sorry, Nick. I only... Actually, Nick, I've got enough. I got it. Here you go. Here, you can pass this around back here. You're welcome. But here, do you all have anything to drink? Okay, good. Don't give them anything to drink, or we'll mess this illustration up. Okay, so here you go. Please help your help yourself, and we will clean up the mess mess afterwards. But there's salted peanuts, if that's okay. No high blood pressure. Or any concerns? Okay. So, you know, they say, you know, that when you go to places like Logan's or Texas Roadhouse, you know, they've got those uh, those peanuts there. And they're great and you're so you're you're eating away and then by the time the waiter waitress comes up and asks you what you want to drink, you're thirsty and you're ready you definitely want something to drink. And so and then the more peanuts you eat, the more $5 Cokes you buy, you buy, or that's kind of how much it seems like nowadays, you know, that, you know, to quench that thirst. I wonder if that's what Jesus had in mind when he said that you are the salt of the earth, that we are to make people salty. Or that we're to be salty, we're to make people thirsty. Now why am I talking about being salt and light right now? Well, if you look at the Beatitudes, starting in Matthew chapter 5, Brian has been preaching through the Beatitudes and talking about how we can bring life to the home. That if we take each of those Beatitudes and apply them to our life, then we will become not just a Christian family. There's a difference from a Christian family to being a Christ-centered home. And we'll bring life to our lives and life to our family if we live out those beatitudes. And immediately following the last beatitude, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. I believe that he says that, that there's a connection there because the more and more to the degree that we live out the beatitudes in our Christ-centered lives and family, to the degree that we live those out matches the degree of our high potency, and high intensity of our salt and light. Take a look at this equation. I know we just got through school and, you know, some of you are, are done. and Some of you teachers don't have to go back. Was it next week that we start back again for the fall? Some of it feels like that. Summer's just not long enough. So some of the students, so, so I'll tell you what this means. When we see HP or HI plus CP plus CC equals MI. You ready to go? Let's go. We'll have the invitation will leave. No, this is what that means. HP is high potency or high intensity. It's to the degree that we are salty, to the degree that our light shines. CP is close proximity, and we'll talk about that in a second. Clear communication is CC, and MI is maximum impact. What impact are we going for? Maximum. Very good. Thanks, Dick. Well, but the actual, what, what, what we mean by maximum impact is that Jesus himself said in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. 1 John 2.6 says that whoever claims to live in him, whoever claims to live in Jesus, must walk in as Jesus did. So if Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, if we are living and walking like him, then we must do the same. And then right before Jesus ascended into heaven with all authority in heaven and on earth given to him, this is what Jesus said. And last words are so very important. He said this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. How are the peanuts? That's good. Y'all can still continue to eat them. That'd be good. That'd make like the, the end illustration a little bit better if you're like really thirsty because you're eating it. I know I'm kind of giving it away and then pretending like no one else is listening in, but so if you want to, so just continue to eat them. You're, you're more than welcome to. So. All right, salt and light. Now that is one of the things you can have fun with. You know, what is salt used for? You know, salt adds flavor. I took a poll last service and I was kind of surprised by the results. How many of you all put salt on watermelon hey that's great yeah exactly that's what I learned you know my wife's like crazy we don't do we didn't do that up north so yeah salt and watermelon it's, it's wonderful salt on anything adds that flavor and that pizzazz you know we kind of live in kind of a we, we have people who search the people who are stuck in in the day-to-day life and sometimes life does get so daily it gets so mundane, and we're just trying to get by, make it through another day. But when you come in contact with those people, those people that there is something different, that in some way, in some interaction that you have with someone, that your day is better from coming in contact with that person, whether it's at work, at the checkout. Maybe at, at your son or daughter's, their practice or, or sporting event. Maybe you've experienced that. You've been on the receiving end of coming in contact with those people and then somehow you're changed. You're better for being there. That's the type of salty type people we want to be. Salt, what else? Salt, you know, it's used for preserving you know used for also it's used to make country ham delicious so but yeah but it, it preserves meat you know we are in a decaying society you know and Jesus calls us to be preservatives in the area it's amazing when you've in a, in a school you know the school might test low but if you've got parents who are involved, and who are active, and who are loving. It is amazing how that school can, can be alive. May we be the, the, those preservatives. May we try to be those people, that force that turns things around. And I'm not asking you to add something to your schedule. I'm not asking you to add something else, another ministry. Your all schedules are filled as it is. But what I'm saying is to be intentional about where you are going, where God has you. May we see those as opportunities to be salt, to be light, ultimately for maximum impact. You know, but something else, you know, I don't know if they use salt in Jesus' time to melt the roads. You know, well, they didn't have paved roads. Yeah, they yeah. Um, but some, but the, really the answer to perhaps what Jesus had in mind is right there in that passage. Didn't discover it until this week. You are the salt of the earth. In that day, in Jesus' time, in order to make the soil more fertile for crops that they would later, later plant, they would put salt and mix it in the soil. Salt makes the ground fertile. Our saltiness, if it rubs off on other people, perhaps it will make their ground fertile to receive the message of Jesus Christ. You know, something else that salt is used for in the the Old Testament... In Leviticus chapter two, verse thirteen, it says this: Season all your grain offerings with salt. do not leave the salt of the covenant of, the, of your God out of your grain offerings. Add salt to all your offerings. So in the Old Testament, they actually had various types of sacrifices they had you know animal sacrifices, and they had you know here are grain offering sacrifices that they would give to God that 's in the Old Testament in the New Testament. God doesn't want us to bunch of sacrifices, but he wants us to be living sacrifices. Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we are salt and our saltiness can provide hopefully fertile ground to receive the love and message in Jesus Christ but also this, this saltiness is part of our worship it's part of our sacrifice to God as we present ourselves as living sacrifice did you catch that about do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world? Boy that can be hard that can be pretty difficult Check out the, and I mentioned that because of this next part. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, I know some of you all, chemistry minded people, know that NaCl, salt, is very stable and cannot lose its saltiness. That's true. Jesus isn't teaching a chemistry lesson here. But what is also true in that day where they would gather salt from the salt flats, if it had any impurities like gypsum or other impurities mixed in with the salt, then the salt would lose its saltiness. If salt was exposed to the elements, if it was exposed to water and, and weather, then the saltiness would dissolve and the salt remaining powder would not be salty. Same thing for us. As we strive to be salt of the earth, we must be aware of the impurities that can come into our lives and hinder our saltiness. I'll be reading several kind of lengthy scripture passages, and and perhaps I, I pray that the Holy Spirit may point out an area or areas in your life that is hindering your potency or your high intensity of shining your light, of being salty. And I do that not for you to feel bad. I do that in a sense for you to come to repentance. See, there's a difference in scripture from worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. The purpose of godly sorrow is that when you sin and you are made aware of it, that you feel guilty, you feel convicted. And the point of that is that you will immediately go to God in prayer and that you will confess that sin to God, that you will repent of it. And you know what 1 John nine says? That if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so if I happen to kind of step on a toe or two, and I'm stepping on my toes as well, then when I read a passage that you go, yeah, that, that's an impurity in my life. Confess that to God. Repent of it. Receive his forgiveness and his grace. Having lost all sensitivity, this is in Ephesians 4.19, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on your new self, created to be like God in true righteousness, and holiness. Notice all this putting off and putting on. You know, May this be a daily thing for us. That as we take off our night clothes and put on our new clothes. May we, in a sense, take off those, those impurities that are in our life. And then may we put on the, the, the characteristics of Christ that we want to take with us. Throughout the day, Therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood, speak truthfully to your neighbor, for you are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come from out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. You know, there's another way that we can be salty. And sometimes we kind of take it for granted. That it mentions here in Colossians chapter 4 verse 2, listen when when I mention about our conversation. Colossians 4 2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful, and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I proclaim it clearly as I could. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You know, sometimes just our conversations, you know what, our, our, this day, or a lot of conversations are taking place online. Are our online conversations or our conversations in person or conversation conversations in text, is it seasoned with salt? Are we being wise in the way that we act toward outsiders? What are people thinking who know that we strive to be Christ-like or claim to be a Christian, what are they thinking when they pick up on the conversations that we have now as a side it's 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 interesting here how paul is asking people to pray for open doors and opportunities to share and to be watchful and thankful May we pray for those opportunities. Or be careful, because if you do pray for those opportunities, they will come. So may you pray for those opportunities. May you be watchful and thankful for those opportunities that God is going to open up for you to be salt, to be light in people's world. And one of the ways you can do that is by watching the conversation that you have, making the most of every opportunity. You know, just kind of something that came to mind. One of the ways that you can make the most of every opportunity here is when the service is over, spend maybe the first five minutes when service is over introducing yourself to somebody that you don't know yet. Because chances are, now I'm sorry, if if you're new and that's not you, that you like to stick around, I think most people that if they're new somewhere, because I've been there sometimes when I'm new, I'm the first one out the door. And so, instead of those first five minutes, instead of talking to the person that you know, reach out to that person that you don't know. And welcome, welcome them and, and get to know them. You know this idea of being salt and light. We have to be intentional. And it's funny whenever you whenever you preach a sermon, you go you go through it. And so the, this whole week, I've been reading a book called "Contagious Christianity," which breaks down that whole um, that seat that whole equation that I showed you at the beginning. And it goes in depth with each of these each of these parts. And so I'm trying to be intentional. And I had to go to the DMV a couple times and wait in line a couple times. And I tell you. It was the best. My tendency sometimes, because I'm nervous and in a crowd, you know, I want to pull out my phone, check my mail, and play Solitaire. I'm trying to get the highest score possible on Solitaire. not sure what that is, but I'm going to figure it out someday. But instead of doing that, that I was just kind of having fun and interacting with the people a little bit that were around. Now, for me, it's a big step. Saying it out loud so is like, oh, easy. <laughs> no big deal. But it's those little those little things of look because you're interacting with people as you go, as you go around, and those opportunities, you're building friendships, you're building relationships. So hopefully eventually you can have those conversations. And those conversations will only happen if we are intentional about it and if we take time. Are those peanuts good? You can eat some more. You know, if you want. You're good. Okay. All right, you want to pass it around? Anybody want some more peanuts? Yeah, no? <laughs> so let, let's move further. So you are to be light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that, his all, that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. You know, in that day, there was something that was very popular. That They had households, everyday households, had plenty of, and they were pots. that would be like our plastic containers that you've got. You know, they would have these pots, and they were to be used every day. And because of that, they would start to kind of thin out, and they would kind of crack a little bit. But they would, they would hold stuff. And what he's saying here is that, what, what, let me see what he says. He says, in our hearts, you give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But you have this treasure in jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. We are cracked pots. There's nothing special about us, and God does that on purpose. So if we carry around the light of Christ within us, people see, obviously see, it's not us, but it's God shining through us. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. I think it's no, uh, it's no uh, mistake that, that this whole thing happens right after the last beatitude, which is blessed are those who are persecuted. People will hate you because you're striving to walk in the light. And to shine the light wherever you go. Something Brian mentioned that, I think it was in Paul's writing, saying that if you strive to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. There will be perhaps that negative response. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world And however number of those people that may persecute you or in a sense hate you because you're trying to live light, there are so many other people that are going to go, thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing light into my darkness. That's what we want to focus on. Now, I may have kind of gotten ahead of myself a little bit because we're talking about being salt, you know, being salty and and being light. But I think I need to kind of mention again the, the why part. The why. Why this maximum impact part? So I'm going to tell you a story. On a dangerous seacoast, where shipwrecks often occur, there was once a crude little life-saving station. The building was just a hut, and there was only one boat, but the few devoted members kept a constant watch over the sea, and with no thought for themselves, they went out day or night, tirelessly searching for the lost." Many lives were saved by this wonderful little station, so it became famous. Some of those who were saved and various others in the surrounding areas wanted to become associated with the station and give of their time and money and effort for the support of its work. New boats were bought and new crews were trained. The little life-saving station grew. Some of the new members of the life-saving station were unhappy that the building was so crude. And so poorly equipped, they felt that a more comfortable place should be provided as the first refuge of the saved from the sea. They replaced the emergency cots, of course, with beds and put better furniture in an enlarged building. Now the life saving station became a popular gathering place for its members, and they redecorated it beautifully and furnished it as sort of a club. You know, in a club, you might kind of find a kind of a setting like this. Maybe not so many salt shakers on it, but a setting like this. You know, the sermon. I, I kind of titled the sermon. Usually, I don't do it intentionally, but today I did, and and it's saying no to table ornaments and decorative lighting. You know, stick with me. But today, my hope is that after the that after today, my hope is that you too will say no to table ornaments and decorative lighting. Less of the members were now interested in going to sea on life-saving missions, so they hired lifeboat crews to do this work for them. The mission of life-saving was still given lip service, but most were too busy or lacked the necessary commitment to take part in the life-saving activities personally. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in boatloads of cold, wet, and half-drowned people. They were battered and beaten, dirty and sick, tired, and desperately in need of the compassion and care that this very life-saving station used to give. And now they're just messing up this beautiful club. So the building committee got together to help. And they had showers installed outside, of course, so the victims of shipwrecks uh, could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop life-saving activities altogether. They were becoming unpleasant and a hindrance to normal club activity. Others, however, insisted that life-saving was their primary purpose, and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station. But they were outvoted and told that if they wanted to save lives of people who were shipwrecked, then they could start their own life-saving station down the coast. And so they did. As the years went by, that new life-saving station experienced the same changes that had occurred in the one before, meaning they too lost focus and turned into a club which led to yet another life-saving station being started down the coast. If you visit the seacoast today, you will find a number of exclusive clubs along the shoreline with life-saving station signs still visible on some, but most have forgotten why those signs are even there. What about shipwrecks? Oh, they still happen frequently in those waters. But now, most of the people just drown. Salt that remains in the shaker is just a table ornament. Light that does not shine is just decorative lighting. May we say no to table ornaments and decorative lighting. It is not enough. You can be so potent, you can be so salty, but if you don't come in contact with someone, it makes no difference. You can shine so bright your light, this little light of mine, but if you don't come in contact close enough with people and let your light shine, it's not going to make a difference. God has you in a sphere of influence. It might be your job, it might be your school, it might be your club, it might be your Rotaries or Kiwanis or Mops or Mamas or Me and whatever area of life that you're in, that God wants you to be salt and light amongst those people. You have to intentionally go out just like Jesus did. Remember that time where Jesus had to go through Samaria? The Jews did not go through Samaria. Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. The direct route would be going through Samaria, but a devout Jew would not do that because they couldn't stand the Samaritans. The devout Jew would cross over the Jordan River, go north on mountainous terrain and cross back over. It would add considerable more miles to their journey to avoid Samaria. But Jesus had to go through Samaria because he had a 12 o'clock appointment with a woman, a questionable woman, a Samaritan woman at the well. And so Jesus goes there in the middle of the day and sends his disciples on. And Jesus sits there and waits. And this, this Samaritan woman comes up. Now in that culture, the times to gather water were in the morning, in the cool of the day, in the evening, in the cool of the evening. It was like their Facebook that they would catch up on the latest gossip and the latest news, and did you hear about this or that? But this woman coming to the well at noon in the heat of the day did not want to be there because chances are they were the one that they were, she was the one they were talking about in the morning and in the evening because of her questionable past. And Jesus asks her for a drink and the Samaritan This woman picks up on it and says, who are you to ask me for a drink? Because she knew that was not protocol. That was not politically correct in that day. Jesus, a male, would not have talked to a female that you just didn't do that. Add to that a Samaritan. Jews did not associate with Samaritans because the Jew felt that if the Jew would use the utensil that 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 woman draws water of, that they would be unclean. Because a Samaritan had touched it, they would have used their own utensil. And so Jesus intentionally goes through the racism, goes through sexism, and, reach, and goes through this, this woman because he later, they later have a conversation. and He shares with her that he asked her if you have a husband, and she says no. And he says, in fact, you have had five husbands, and the one you're with will not marry you. Now what happens after that is that she goes to her village and that she tells the people in the village that could this be the one? Could this be the one that we have been hoping for? He told me everything that I ever did. And they went in droves to see Jesus. And then they later confessed that we believe not just because of what you said, because they saw and they heard it for themselves. May we be salt and light And go. Wherever that is. Maybe spend some time and ask the Holy Spirit to point out areas in your life that you are involved in, that you have a passion for, that could use some darkness. No, sorry. That is dark. That could use some light. That could use some compassion. And some grace. One area in in our lives is is the Bryan Station drama. Drama. That is an area that God has, has really blessed us in, in, in being able to, to be a part of. I think any of the schools that your kids are a part of could use some salt and light. Really, any of them. You know, unfortunately, Brown Station's got some type of reputation where we found out for ourselves it's that's, that's not true. And so there's some of that trying to overcome that feelings of un, unworthiness that some of the students and some of the staff have. But really any of the schools out there have those issues and could use some love and grace, could use some of us to get involved, to be salty, to rub shoulders with people. And it's gonna get messy and it's gonna be dirty and you're gonna have so much fun. You're gonna have so much fun because it's not fun being a table ornament it's not fun being decorative light. That's all I can do. We, but we want to be lights that go out and, and intentionally go out into darkness and let our light shine, that we are intentionally salt, and we be salty and interact with those people. Now, down the road, there might be an opportunity to share that last CC is clear communication. In First, P, first Peter, it talks about that we must be, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks us for the hope that we have, and do this with gentleness and respect. Perhaps that's some some other homework for you is, why do I have hope in Jesus? Get that down. Be able to clearly communicate in a couple minutes why you have hope in Jesus. And so, through your interactions with people, if eventually that they get hungry and they ask you, why are you different? Why are you here? Why do you care? I care because let me tell you about the hope that I have in Jesus. Are you all a little thirsty? A little bit? Thanks for saying that. I I appreciate that. So I do have some. You all can share. They haven't been opened. But I want to give you some some water to quench your thirst. And while you're drinking it, um, can I tell you about the living water in Jesus? Because uh, in First John 5:11, it's one of my it's one of my favorite verses. First John 5:11 says, "And this is the testimony: God has given us eternal life. God has given us eternal life because He loves us. And that's so contrary to what people mind. And in some people's minds, the idea that God loves us that is so foreign to them." Now, there are some people who believe, who believe, yeah, God loves us if we're doing what we are supposed to do. But that's not grace. That's not true love. God loves us. The Bible even says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son, Jesus Christ This is 1 John 5.11 again, if I didn't say, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now, that is kind of the the opposite side. of That's the other side of good news. The good news is there's Jesus, and that he loves us and died for us and wants us to be saved and spend eternity with him in heaven. The other side of good news is that there is a real place called hell which is eternal separation from God. As, as that scripture says, that he who has the Son has life, has Jesus. He who does not have the Son does not have life. But I love that next, the, the last part. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so you may know that you have eternal life. So you may know that you have Eternal life, how awesome that is. There are people who need us. And God wants to use us. But here's the thing, it's not like it's us. God needs us to be him to the world. So you've got a lot to work on. You've got to, a lot of work on You've got to come up with, why do you have faith? Why do you have hope in Jesus? It's one of your assignments. The other one is, we're about to come to a time of communion. And during the time of communion, we've got the communion trays back there, where, where at this time of communion, you'll walk back in, in a moment and take part. But during this time of communion, and each week, I pray that the Holy Spirit may bring up areas in your life and mine Areas of impurity that are hindering our saltiness, that are hindering the intensity of our light, that we might confess those, repent of those, and move on and serve on. I pray also that you might be intentional, that you are that as you go out, wherever you go, whatever restaurant you go to, or wherever whoever you interact with, may you find those opportunities to be salt and light, knowing that someday that God might provide the opportunity for you to share Christ with them, or he might provide the opportunity of someone else to share Christ, but at least you did something to make the ground a little further fertile. You did something to shed a little bit of light in their darkness, and perhaps have given them a little bit more hope the rest of the day than they had before. To help you remember this, as you take part of your communion in the back station, I want you to grab a little glow stick and remember to be light, and a little packet of salt, and take that with you as a reminder for you to be salt and light. And the reason why we can do this is because Jesus Christ came to earth, lived a sinless life, died for our sins. And rose again. And we remember this. This time of communion. When we take a piece of the bread. That represents his body that was broken. And was buried. The cup that represents his blood. That was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And we take part of that. Not only in remembrance of his death. In remembrance of his resurrection. And in, in, in anticipation. Of him coming again. Let us pray. Dear God we thank you Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this time. And Father, we know that you're here and we know that you, that you listen. And so, Father, may your Holy Spirit kind of convict us and remind us of those areas in my life and the areas that we talked about that we need to work on. And, Father, at this time, we continue worshiping you and we celebrate the sacrifice that you have done for us. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.